0: Tonight is an opportunity for you to give some input. See where we all stand. Uh, just a quick review. Let's see if one of these works. Quick review in our presenting the gospel message. Uh, if you remember, we are, let me give you the whole outline. Let's, I was, was going to start here, but let's go ahead. We started about that we're going to have prayer about having opportunities. We're, we then went to confronting confronting about sin and that whole confrontation that we are sinners, that we have a need and that we um, need to respond, correct? Is that where we went to? No, there was one before that, wasn't there? Then communicating truth, I think it was the next one, I'm just trying to see if I can get your eyes out of it. Communicating truth, what is truth? So we talked about standards and then communication of truth, because without that we have no real basis because if, 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 if truth is whatever you make it up, whatever you made up, whatever you made up, then there's no basis for us to really have a, a communication. So um, we have these two aspects that are really um, challenging our society. We then talked about uh, sharing the gospel, the good news, so we're on that section right now, the good news, which is, the, which is what gospel means. The biblical term is the evangel, that's why we call it evangelism, evangel is the Greek of gospel, which is, uh, which is good news, so all those mean the same word, uh, same thing, uh, different words for that, and we start out, I'm going to use just three words, we were talking about three sections, we've already covered two, tonight's is the third, uh, the first one we talked about, we used a single word to talk about God's provision of, for salvation, and that word was love. We were going to communicate that God so love of the world that he gave. That he provided a means of, for our deliverance. That he paid the price for our redemption. And so we talked about defining love differently than the world. And we went through that uh, pretty thoroughly trying to communicate um, that the world has a very different view of what love is compared to a biblical view of what love is. That love is about sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? So God demonstrates love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. And that was our key text there, uh, along with uh, John 3.16 and plenty of others. We then uh, talked about not only his provision, but what, what the gift entailed. What is the gift that God is offering us? And we used the word hope. Good. So we used hope as the defining word to describe God's gift to us so love we talked about we associated with the payment we want to communicate that Christ died for us he was willing to become sin for you though he didn't know sin that we might have the righteousness of God so the first half is the payment the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and so there's a gift and so we have a gift and that gift gives us hope and hope again is badly defined in our society right it's wishful thinking But biblically, hope is sure confidence that you can have. You can know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You can know for sure that the promises of God are accomplished when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. So hope is much bigger than what the world thinks. Well, I hope so is not the the biblical understanding of the word hope. Um, That that's kind of sad and pathetic compared to what the Bible describes as hope, which is powerful, confident that is a sure thing it is it is just a one thing i haven't maybe experienced fully but it is fully accomplished for me and so i have this abiding hope this enduring hope the bible talks about and so that, that will not make me ashamed okay, I have that kind of confidence i will not be let down god will not let you down he will forgive he will bring you into his family he will grant you his holy spirit he will do, give you all the promises of god they are yours, but we also recognize that when we start talking like that about how much God does for people, that they start getting a selfish. We start communicating selfishly, and we start getting into the health wealth gospel. We want to avoid that. That is not the hope that God is giving to us. That in this life we have everything wonderful and comfortable. Um, the hope is much more substantial than that. And again. Uh, we're stab- this is established very clearly on the need to confront people as their sin uh, and communicating truth. What is our basis of truth? And, uh, and so now we're offering them something. Remember, they are generally very self-absorbed. There's what's in it for me, for me, for me. And hope is much more substantial than that. And, and so we're not playing into the selfish game. We're not using it to entice people to make a profession of faith. That's empty and void. We want to communicate a genuine offer of God. That He will genuinely, because He has made the penalty for that, He has paid the penalty, the fine, if you will, um, that you can have that forgiveness. But that's not all that's involved. And that's going to bring us to tonight. And and that's the reception. So you have the provision, the payment, you have the gift, what it is, and then you have the reception. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And the word I told you in the beginning that we're going to be using is the word surrender. Now, while that's the word I'm going to entail, you say, well, that's not in the Bible at all. And I would completely agree with you that that word technically is not in the Bible. Uh, just like the word gospel isn't really in the Bible. Um, The evangel is. But we find here that in English it is. So what is Surrender. Well, let's talk about, let's avoid that word for right now. We're going to get to it here shortly, and I'm going to define it. I think it'll, you'll see a summary definition for us tonight. So let's talk about what is it required to receive Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some of those. I want you to present me the words that you would tell people they need to do to be saved. So the Philippian jailer comes, what must I do to be saved? All right, so someone comes to me, okay, you've convinced me I'm a sinner. Uh, that God's standard is true, that he has paid the price because he loves me, that he is offering me this gift of hope. How do I make it mine? All right, what are you going to tell them? Let's write down a few words, and you should have some scripture to go with it. What are you going to tell them? Anybody. All right, one at a time, though. Now, every, not, it went from nobody to everybody. All right, just because I said, anybody, somebody... All right, one person, help me me out, raise your hand, all right, repent, all right, here I'm going to erase all this, because you got that down, right, you know where we're at in our study, and by the way, there's only one more point, after communicating the good news, all right, and that's bringing them to a decision, which correlates with what we're studying tonight, all right, so you're going to tell them to repent, all right, you got a scripture for that, all right, that's Acts chapter 2. And that's Peter's sermon. When they said, what should we do? And he says, repent. What else would you say to them? Someone else. All right, believe. Believe what? All right. Well, that's exactly what Paul said and Silas said to the Philippian jailer, right? So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that also is in the book of Acts, what chapter? 16. Philippian jailer chapter, right? Isn't that Acts 16? Bingo. Bingo. Thank you. You should have memorized that. Word life clubs. Acts sixteen thirty one. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. You and your household. All right. What else would you say? What other kinds of words would you use with people when they say, "How do I make this gift mine?" All right. The word accept. That you accept it. You have to accept a gift, right? What else are you gonna tell them to do? Confess. Here okay, I'm gonna put this here because you're, you're you're landing on something here. There's an A, B, C. Actually, you already got the B, so it's Accept, believe, or no, actually it's admit in the ABC track. It's admit you're a sinner, believe, and then accept, okay? Or confess, yeah, believe, admit, believe, and confess. That's what they have in the ABC track, okay? What does confess mean? Where do you got that from? Okay, Romans chapter 10. What about accept? All right, for by grace through faith, it is a gift of God, not works. All right, so Ephesians 2, you accept the gift. Anything else you want to add? Possible reply to that statement, what do I have to do to be saved? Says what <laughs> post that add to your faith. But there's an important word there. Repentance to turn, to change. Can we use the word faith? Have faith? And we could add a corollary word. And you can say, well, that's kind of like believe. I'm just trying to get all the words here. Faith, trust in Jesus Christ. So you add to your faith. So do you, have, have you, do you trust in Jesus Christ? Okay? And that's an important question. All right? What else could you possibly tell people? And obey. Trust and obey. Okay? You can't use my word, remember? You've got the, the lion's share of them. Um, none of you said... Um, well, I didn't let you finish who said accept? that was mr. Schmidt did you say accept all right receive him that's usually associated with the Holy Spirit which we understand to be communicated with the gospel and again in the book of Acts dealing particularly with Cornelius and also with a guy named Apollos what must I do to be saved follow Jesus become a follower of Jesus Christ okay Anything else? You have to choose. Okay, you're you're calling them to a decision. That's really going to be our last point, is bringing them to that point of decision. But you're going to have to choose. So I'm going to put the word choose, and I'm going to use an Old Testament passage, um, which is um, Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's the end of Joshua. Okay? We have a lot. Now, I noticed that none of you said, ask Jesus into your heart. What happened? Call on the name of the Lord, and you'll be saved, the Bible says. All right, call on him. Oh, I'm running out of space. I'm going to go up here. Call on him. All right, technically, i got to tell you that. And I learned this when I got my book published that we no longer capitalize pronouns referring to deity. Look at all of your books published in the last 25 years, and they will not see the pronouns regarding deity capitalized including my book, and I fought to try to get that, and they said, this is the publishing standard now, um, because they hate God, disrespect him, yeah and, and I made very specific things, I said, no, in this sentence it has to be, because you know, there's two other hymns in the sentence to know which one I'm talking about yep alright, um, so none of you said, ask Jesus in your heart um, and pray this prayer uh, you pray, th- pray after me how do you get saved? Pray after me. Okay, that's interesting. None of you mentioned those two. Okay, um, none of you mentioned those two, which are. I was hoping somebody would have said that, so I could just say, well, it's not wrong. It's just not right. All right, it's not your best. It's it's not really a biblical concept. Why? Why are those kinds of phrases not not best? I'm not going to say it's wrong. And by the way. if, If some people walked in this room and saw this list, they would call all of you heretics. Because you have more than one word on this board. If you don't believe that, you need to go into a YouTube channel called Living Waters and see how many times he is called a heretic for telling people to repent and believe. He tells people they have to do two things. They have to repent and believe. That's heresy. Okay. Well, we don't want to get to that point in our spiritual arrogance to somehow, and and by the way, do not default to heresy unless you have a lot more than that and a good reason for that, just because you don't like it. What are they really condemning him for? Well, this is their statement, and this has to do with something with this word faith as well. Here's what we hear talked about and i've had exposure to this in lots of organizations that i've been a part of um, and i didn't buy into it when i was part of those organizations uh, and uh, one of the biggest ones was a Wana clubs was a big one only believe is all you have to do you just have to believe and i was like well that's not what jesus said that's not what peter said that's not what paul said um, and and yes i know in act 16 it says believe in the lord jesus christ you'll be saved But the next couple of verses later it says that with many other words he communicated them the gospel. That was his front line, his his, uh, introduction statement, not the full gospel that he taught. And so, um, and here's the thing, you'll hear them claim this, okay, what does that mean? Sola fide, only faith. Now, this was one of the statements that came out of the Reformation. It began with sola grac- grac- gracia, only grace, sola gracia, sola fide. And that came out of the Reformation, uh, the Protestant Reformation. Uh, Baptists weren't a part of that. And so, but that came out of it. You'll hear a lot of people say it. No, it's sola gracia, sola fide. Faith alone, grace alone. Uh, where does that come from? Ephesians chapter 2 For by grace we are saved through faith And then not of yourselves is the gift of God Not of works lest anyone should boast So Is it grace alone Or faith alone Now what this is stating Is that it's only by God's grace And only by man's faith That all you have to do is trust In God's provision And is that the intent Of that verse Does it say that It says, by grace, through faith. Faith is the avenue that we use. And that avenue is not of your own generation. In other words, you didn't create the capacity of faith in you. That is a gift of God. And as I shared two weeks ago, and even talked about a little bit this morning, that that is something all men, or last week, I guess, that all men possess faith. All men do. What we are trying to do is, is direct that toward God, to trust in Jesus Christ instead of trusting in yourself, instead of trusting in lawyers, instead of trusting in doctors, instead of trusting in scientists, instead of trusting in, in all these other things, are you going to trust in the Lord? Because you're, you're trusting in someone or something. All men are. Because all men have the capacity of faith. It is a gift of God. We didn't earn it. We didn't develop it. We didn't originate it. Uh, It was a gift of God, and so we didn't work it. uh, And even directing it isn't work. You have to place faith into something in your life, uh, the the nature of how God made you. And so this this cry uh, really has done damage to inviting people to the gospel. Just believe. And it has produced something that we call easy believism. All you have to believe. All you have to do is believe. And like I said, we, we quote Acts 16, 31, we ignore Acts 16, 33 uh, 32, 33, 34, all the way down through there where they get taught with many other words. They are then baptized that very night. All these things. We ignore all that. We quote one phrase of an event. And just like we are taking uh, Acts chapter 2, 8 and 9 out of context, and we have this cry. Uh, well what are they what was this cry against? the cry was against that I'm trying to earn God's grace okay and that's that's a Catholic model and so I'm going to do these things to uh, and so what are the seven uh, sacraments that I'm going to have in my life and they are each of them is a avenue, a mechanism of receiving God's grace. And so as I partake in, in uh, the Eucharist, um, it is partaking in the body and blood of my Lord, literally, uh, through transubstantiation. Uh, again, not my teaching, is their teaching. And the Lutherans didn't go very far from that, and the Reformers, with this same decry, they didn't wander far from transubstantiation into consubstantiation. It doesn't literally become Christ's body and blood. It spiritually surrounds it. Well, you're still having to partake of that to access grace. Okay, And so that's what this was really directed against. But what we've seen happen in Christianity now is we've taken it like so many things. We go, in reaction to this, we go way out there. And now we're too far that way. Uh, That, oh, we can't say anything but believe, 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 that's all. And if you add to that, you're a heretic. No, nor am I a works-based salvation guy. But I'm just not way out here with easy believism. All you got to do is believe. You know, and it's kind of like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or any of those things. Just got to believe. You just got to believe. Just believe. I mean, the world is just inundating children with a concept that just believe in it, it makes it real, even if it's not real. You know, and so you can watch, you know, all these shows from Miracle on, on what street? 34th Street. It's silly, but I believe. It's silly, but I believe. If I just keep repeating this mantra that somehow wonderful things happen, even though I agree it's silly, but I believe, to Polar Express, you have to believe. Just believe. If you don't believe, you can't hear the bell ringing. Only those who really believe in Santa can hear it ring. You know, and that concept of belief is not a biblical concept. And so we have to introduce the idea of faith. And faith is an important state and trust. That how? What does it mean to trust someone? And so when we're talking about how do I get saved? Well, you're gonna have to turn from your, change your mind. That's repentance. So I'm gonna to have to change my thinking. Um, I'm going my own way now. I need to go God's way. That's what repentance means. And some will say, so "Well, never says to repent of your sins." Well, <laughs> it doesn't use that exact phraseology, but it certainly says, "You crucify whom you crucify." God's raised from the dead. What should we do? Repent. Repent of what? From being His enemy to now being His disciple, His follower. From being against him to being for Christ. So now instead of trusting in all these other things, you're going to redirect that trust to Christ and to Christ alone. So in Romans 10, it says, If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Does that sound like sola fide? Is that sola fide? Just have to believe. No, you have to believe and confess with your mouth that he is the Messiah who died on the cross. It's not what it says in Romans 10, that he is Lord. Now we come into yet another category of problems. So now we have the group that's it's called Lordship Salvation, and we are all heretics because of these people. Say these people are heretics, um, Because you believe in lordship salvation. And those that teach easy believism say you accept Jesus as your savior first. And then in another event somewhere down the line you receive him as lord. And these are two different concepts. But that's not what Romans 10 says. Right? Romans 10 says believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth that Jesus is lord. Lord is a very important element here. And what lordship means is what? You're my master. What does that imply about you? You're becoming his servant. Okay? And so, what do we want to have them confess with their mouth and believe in their heart? That Jesus is God. That Jesus is Lord. He is my master, He's my God. We talked about that last Sunday night when we talked about uh, Thomas' proclamation. That is the proclamation of someone who believes my Lord and my God. That combination is a proclamation of salvation. He is my Lord and my God. And these people who would call me a heretic, and do you understand the word heresy, what it means? What is a heretic? That's a false teacher. What is a heretic? The cardinal doctrines of the church. They're called cardinal doctrines. If you don't believe this, you are going to hell. That's what a cardinal doctrine is. If you don't believe this, you're going to hell. So when you say someone's a heretic, you're saying they are going to hell. For what? Saying exactly what Peter said? Saying exactly what the Bible said Romans 10 from Paul's pen? For saying exactly what? I think Jesus said that? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? And you're calling them heretics for that? And when you go to Matthew 18, 19, and 20, and Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, 20, and it says, Go there and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, and teaching them that somehow that's to say that you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ is a heretic. Please realize when you hear someone that that just throws that term around, that is someone that you need to disassociate with. And we need to be very particular about using that term. I don't call Calvinist heretics. Some of them are. Because they have a God who's responsible for sin. Most of them are misguided by the heretics that lead them. I can say that false teachers are all heretics, but there are heretics who aren't false teachers. They're just not communicating. They believe it, but they're not communicating it. False teachers are those that are communicating falsehoods and heresies, uh, and they are therefore heretics. But there are people that are sitting in churches today that don't believe the truth about God's Word. Um, but I'm very careful. You have to give me a lot of Give me really good reasons to use that term, and I'm really frightened by how many are throwing that around so quickly about men who are serving the Lord faithfully and out there doing evangelism and uh, communicating biblical truth to people and, and calling them to follow Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, which means that you're going to obey. You're going to do stuff as a follower of Jesus Christ. So when we put some of these together, and and notice we have scripture for these. that call the name of the Lord. Everyone, all who call them, what do we mean to call upon the name of the Lord? Uh, Well, you say, well, that's referencing prayer. Well, we are calling upon his name as our God, that he is now that place that that's who I'm going to pray to from now on. That is a statement saying, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord, not call upon the name of Baal, not call upon the name of of, uh, a guy named Fauci, not call upon the name of... Do you do that? (laughs) Um, Copernicus, name him, uh, anyone in the scientific community, I'm not going to call upon their name as my directive of truth. I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. Okay? And so... How are we communicating this? Um, I'm not going to be real particular, but you need to avoid, I think, well, you have to invite Jesus into your life. What does that imply? And that's very different than what I'm proposing. That's actually 180 degrees different. It sounds very similar. Exactly. Invite Jesus into your life means that you still hold all the authority. He gets to come into whatever room you let him into, and you're going to entertain him there. That's what it means. You're inviting him into your life. Now, I know there's a passage that says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens, I'll enter him. We'll commune together, him with me and I. And certainly that's an idea of acceptance, of accepting him. But when we say to invite him into your life, implies that you haven't surrendered your life to him. That you still maintain full control. And that is not submission. That is not full trust. You're not trusting him, you're still trusting yourself and you're you're compartmentalizing and let part of your life be penetrated by the good news of Jesus Christ, but you're not surrendering your life to him. And, And even all of us who've been Christians for a long time still have areas of our life that we have to keep working at surrendering to Christ. But it is a commitment we have made because we're following Jesus Christ that in principle, I want to be surrendered to Christ. That's what it means to be a believer. To receive the gift is to accept that Christ is now my Savior, my Lord, my God. All of those Yes, he's going to forgive my sins. I'm asking him to cleanse me, and that payment of love is necessary. But secondly, he is the Lord, he is the master, he's the one that's going to be able to communicate to me how I ought to live. And from this point forward, he will be the driving authority of my life. I surrender to him. I'm surrendering my will to him. That's what it means when you call him Lord. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord. And I much, I use that passage in Romans 10, especially because it's in the Romans Road section, uh, extensively. Believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. Can you do that in a prayer setting? Certainly. But the idea here is, is that it is something I believe, that Jesus Christ is, I'm going to surrender my heart, my will. The heart is not your feelings, it's your will. I'm going to surrender my will to him and I'm going to confess him openly as my master, my Lord. And I'm believing that that is what is involved. So when we say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what did they mean by believe? Well, again, John uses belief multiple ways, doesn't he? On multiple levels. We have people at the beginning of a chapter in John that believe in Jesus, and by the end of that chapter they wanted to kill him. They had ceased following after him because they heard hard things. And then by, and that's in the middle of the chapter. And then by the end of the chapter, they were one to, to, to stone him. So obviously, they didn't have belief sufficient to salvation. And that's why um, I, I don't... It's not that I'm unwilling to say believe. It, it's that I don't want to make it just wishy-washy belief like Hollywood says. I believe... You know, I always made fun of the West Mesa athletes because they wore these little t-shirts. And what did it say? Dream it, believe it, achieve it. And I would harass them to no end. Oh, you're not first because you're not believing it. Aren't you, are you not dreaming of it? Oh, well then, if you dreamed it and you really believe it, then you don't have to be here at practice. Just achieve it. It's all based upon your beliefs. If you believe, I'm, I believe in myself. And whatever people say, <laughs> I have a lot of young people say, I believe I can do that. I was like, I know you can't. Your beliefs are horribly misplaced. Okay? Because we have made believe mean this wishy washy, I, I think I can, I think I can, like a little train, we need to define it better. And that's why the Bible uses this word, it uses believers, but faith and trust, that I'm going to trust in you. That implies that I am giving you something of myself. And in fact, we ought to be communicating, you need to surrender. That's why I use the word surrender as the overarching word for all of these is that word surrender. And of course, then we can sing that famous song, I Surrender All, right? (laughs) Great song, by the way accurate all to Jesus I surrender why was that used in so many evangelistic campaigns because it was accurately fulfilled all of these concepts of what it means to have Jesus as our Savior and Lord you don't sing that song if you don't believe in Lordship salvation because they don't have to surrender at all all that news pray the sinners prayer invite him into their heart you only need them in one part and we never communicate that the heart is the will Um, we invite him into our life we we uh, add him to our belief system which is a horrible thing to do he is a 100% replacement of your belief system he's not added on all these Hindus many of them that get saved in India are, are fine with it until you tell them to be baptized and in that baptismal ceremony in India they say you have to deny all the other gods well Hinduism you can have as many gods as you want the worst thing you can do is deny everyone else's God. So you'll have billboards with Jesus' name on them right up there with all the list of you know, Vishnu, Vishnu, and Krishna, and and this one, and Muhammad, and and Jesus is just on the list. So they could very easily just say, Well, I'm going to add Jesus to cover my basis. And, and if you don't think that's here, it is. I remember a guy named Andrew Zuni and uh, he came, he, Billy Graham was in town, had the crusade. This is just when we were starting this church. And he came, and everyone was very excited. Oh, he went for it. He made a profession of faith. So I was like, well, let's, I'm going to go meet with him. This is exciting. And, of course, B is here, and, and Mariah, and, and Andrew wasn't born yet. Okay, And so, uh, oh, very exciting. So I'm going to go meet with him. And I sit down, and I was like, so tell me what you decided. Well, I recommitted my life to all of my beliefs. And so I've added Jesus, and I'm going to recommit myself to the Indian way, and and I'm like, okay, we have a problem. You're not a believer. You have not surrendered yourself to Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. We have a song like that too, right? That's that's, That's what you're, so when we're talking about how do I receive it, we want to introduce these concepts but realize that language, even in the Christian community, is, is changing. And repent still kind of means repent today. That's why I don't hesitate to use that word because people are like, what do you mean by repent? Because they don't really use it much in their language. But believe is used all over the place for everything from something substantial to something inconsequential. And something that's just flat reckless in, in saying that. Um, and so, again, we're, we're trying to stay biblical in using these terminologies. Uh, discipleship is about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we should be drawing them to, and we're talk about next week about drawing people to a decision. That's where the last step we're going to talk about, uh, bringing people to decision. Um, this is what we're trying to draw them to. We're going to talk about that process next week. But theologically, let's recognize that these are what we're looking for. Repentance uh, it isn't just an admission, and, and uh, admit should be on here that, that we are admitting I'm a sinner. And they could cognitively do that without being convicted. And so we talked about that in the early stages, of so how we want to confront that but they need to come to acknowledgement, I'm a sinner, I'm deserving of judgment, uh, there's nothing I can do to save myself, I'm in hot, hot water, and godly sorrow should accompany that, because that's the goodness of God, Romans says. It is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, and that's the goodness of God to do that. And so conviction should bring sorrow, that sorrow should lead to repentance. And so I still encourage you of repenting. Um, but I really think the word surrender still has significance in our culture, what it means. Are you, I, well, what do I need to do? Well, you need to trust in Jesus fully and surrender your whole life to him. where he is your savior, delivering you from your sin, that's important. But he's also your master, that he has authority. Or you're surrendering all of your personal authority to him. You have the right to make this choice, but this choice is to say, I want God to rule my life instead of me, instead of my sin, instead of the world, instead of my father, the devil. I want God there in that place of authority in my life, in my heart, in my will. And surrender talks about that. And then uh, he is my God. It is a place of worship. And that's, and it's going to supplant all other worships. God is a jealous God, isn't He? The Bible says that. He doesn't want to share space in your heart, He refuses that. So He wants it all, or He wants none of it. Okay? And that's what the Bible means by He's a jealous God. Um, He doesn't want to share space or room with rocks and trees and And things that he created like the Sun or the moon and so we're talking about this full trusting that I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna obey I'm gonna follow him I'm gonna be a disciple of Jesus Christ from this day on that I'm gonna believe that in my heart I'm gonna confess it with my mouth I'm gonna say it out loud uh, not only for the benefit and and I've had people do this I'm gonna pray silently I'm like no doesn't say confess with your mind Confess it with your mouth. There's a publicness to this. And really that's what baptism is. It's a public confession of my faith in Christ and the declaration that I am a new person and this is a new direction in my life because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter says, repent and be baptized. That's the context of that. They understood that. You're saying this is a new direction. This is a new, I am now a disciple of Jesus Christ I'm being baptized in his name I'm calling upon his name I'm I'm now going to follow him and uh, he's going to be the director of my life and we need to bring people to that we're going to talk about that process of bringing them to that next week but please uh, try to refrain from some of the less accurate easy believism and the less accurate that really is only a partial Acceptance because we talked about inoculation evangelism where you're really thinking they, they made this confession and then it didn't work out for them and now they say, I tried that, it didn't work. Well they didn't really try it. They prayed or it a sinners prayer somebody put in front of them. but it didn't, but they didn't believe it in their heart, even though they said it with their mouth because you told them to, we didn't communicate the fullness of what it means to trust in Jesus. And I think it's important that we do so. So when I hear someone re- say, repent and believe that Jesus Christ died for you and that he is, you better add to that because it's just that he died for my sins. You're just, you're just offering one facet of it, and that's dangerous because you're talking about the first level of belief of John. What can I get from it? All your sins forgiven. You're not guilty anymore. You walk out of the courtroom scot-free because he paid the penalty for you. Well, that's great, but now What? If I walk out scot-free, to do it again? To persist in that? Are you really forgiven? No. The penalty was paid, and the evidence that you've truly accepted that is recognizing you have a huge debt to repay, that you could never repay, but that you should strive to now follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yes, strength is physicality. I'm going to use my physical body to serve the Lord not just my heart, my soul, my mind. I'm going to use even my physical person to serve him. And that's why we get the book of James. And everyone's like, oh, James is a heretic. Why? What does he say? Faith, without works, is dead. That means it's worthless to you. It does not bring you life. And let us not communicate the receiving Christ is that kind of faith. We don't want to communicate that. And the easy believism crowd that that would call me a lordship salvation heretic and would have this mantra, sola fide, sola gracia, is, is way off base. And they are peddling something that is dangerous. Not that nobody can get saved with that. It's that you are inviting this superficial belief system that by Hebrews measure can put them in trouble right yes no and we've already established that under the context of truth and of sin that there's nothing I can do to please God in and of myself right but the works should be there as an evidence of genuine faith okay and remember these are all perspectives and I've taught this a lot in the past why, and I've had, I've had pastors come, and, and uh, the, the biggest one is the Iwata missionary. Dave Tubbs comes, and he says, like, he just found this verse in James. He's like, this is the opposite of this. And I was like, no, it's not. And he's got James, and he's got he says, oh, you know, it's, you either, it's by faith alone, or it's, I was like, or it's by works. You know, I got Ephesians, I got Romans, I got James. And I was like, well, it's perspective. And you have three perspectives by three different writers. Paul's writing from God's perspective. James is writing from others' perspective. And John writes from your own perspective. How do I know? So let me put that this way. So Romans says, how does God know you're saved? Okay? James answers the question, how does your neighbor know you're saved? And John, in 1 John, answers the question, how do I know I'm saved? Okay? And so... If you understand the perspective of the writing, you understand why they're saying this. You cannot claim to have faith without works because it's empty, it's void, it's 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 useless. And so if I see you, that's what James says specifically, if I if you have your faith, I'll say, show it to me. Because I'll show you my faith by my works. Okay? So what's that about? It's about How can I measure if you're a Christian or not? I look at your works. And I have to come to a, a, a decision of whether I'm here to preach you the gospel because you're an unbeliever, falsely professing to be one anyway, a believer, but you're really not, or if I have to deal with you as a Christian and I can disciple instruct. I have to look at your works and decide that. Don't make it hard for me. You should make it obvious. For good works, exactly. All of these are out of context. This whole mantra is out of context. Okay, and so like I said, we went from over here where we have a works-based salvation. It's not just Catholicism. Um, Mormonism is a works-based thing too. All right. There's and Joe's Witness. There, there's many, many work-based concepts of salvation. And really, uh, in terms of, uh, if you want to say Allah is is is. Elohim, if, if those are the same guys, then, then Islam is a works-based as well. Okay? And then you got to go way over here, and now, to react to that, we got to go way over, way, I mean, just way over here. That you don't have any works at all, you just pray the sinner's prayer and believe. And you go on your merry way and live exactly how you like. And maybe somewhere down the road you decide, maybe this Jesus guy who took away all my sin might be the Lord. How absurd is that? How could he take away your sin if he wasn't God? And if he's God, he ought to be your Lord. No reality. And so, um, yeah, that's the mantra, though, from way over there. Uh, and by the way, the actual reformers didn't really take it that far. But that's where it is today. Okay. And I just, just in the last three weeks, I've been just, these stupid videos coming up where these people screaming from the pulpit, he's a heretic. Why? Because he says you have to repent. I was like, so did Jesus. Read your Bible. I mean, the guy literally said for the pulpit, nowhere in the Bible says you have to repent to be saved. It's like, uh, oh, man. And so, um, Living Water's response was to just, they didn't say, they didn't say anything. They just posted scripture after scripture after scripture on the screen of every verse that says something about repentance in conjunction with salvation. A great response. I don't have to defend myself. I'm just preaching the gospel of the Bible. Okay? I'm not preaching a mantra. I'm preaching the Bible. And so invite people, when you're inviting people to the gospel, please. Make it more substantial than pray this prayer. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Jesus into your life. No, surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. You've done it your way long enough, right? So Paul keeps telling people, you've done it your way long enough, and that was miserable. Let's do it God's way, and God's way means full surrender, okay? We're going to talk about leading people to that, or, or at least calling them to a decision, making a decision. We're going to talk about the legal basis for that, and then um, I'm not going to tell you the mechanics of it so much as that you need to do it. We can't just continuously water, water, water. At some point, we need to harvest, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. Okay? Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you again for this opportunity today. We see how the world takes such precious and important words of your gospel and waters them down and makes them meaningless we thank you for a few that we can still use and that can add power and and truth to these other words that still stand that they really do need to believe in their heart with all their heart that you are Lord they need to confess with their mouth they need to make that good confession or to help us to uh, communicate that well that we don't see some just do a religious ritual of our making as a replacement. We know it is. there's no replacement for full surrender. And Lord, we just continue to pray that we might continue as believers to explore our need for full surrender, fuller and fuller, day by day. That we might not have little closets of our life that are reserved for ourselves and you're not welcome that we might uh, be open and fully your disciples. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.